This is Big Problems and Advice Podcast. I'm David Chen. And I'm Stephen Tobolowski. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. What we do here on this podcast is we read your emails, which you can send to mail at bigproblemspodcast.com. That's mail at bigproblemspodcast.com. Write in with your issue. Let us know uh, how we should identify you. Know that we may excerpt your email and you may get a chance to have your email read and responded to by legendary character actor Stephen Tobolowsky. Stephen, let's just get right into it today. Uh, this email comes in from Sick of Snark. Sick of Snark <laughs> writes in, Hello, do you have any advice for dealing with people who make snarky, critical comments? I have one relative in particular who I'd really like to be friends with, and I think uh, for the most part we are. We have a lot in common, and we agree on most, if not all, the major issues that can sometimes cause tension in families. The problem is that every time we have a conversation, it progresses pleasantly for a while, and then she she always finds some opportunity to make a cutting, passive-aggressive remark. I try not to take it personally, as I'm sure it comes from a place of insecurity and defensiveness on her part. But it just sours me on our whole relationship. This person is very opinionated and seems to view any different opinion or personal choice as threatening and in need of being taken down a peg with a thinly veiled put down. She has even done it in response to mildly self-deprecating comments I've made, which are a social lubricant with most people. But with her, they're an opportunity for her to criticize. As far as I can tell, she's very critical of everyone in both open and subtle ways. How should I deal with this? Although I like most of the things about this person, the snarky comments are annoying enough that if we weren't related, I would simply not spend time with her. Granted that we have to spend time together, is there anything I can do to make it more enjoyable? Should I ignore the comments or should I respond in some way to let her know this behavior is not appreciated? Simply ignoring this behavior seems like acquiescence, but maybe it's the best way to keep our interactions more pleasant. What do you think? Thank you, Sick of Snark. That's the email from Sick of Snark. She's writing in asking about... How to deal with snarky comments from a relative. Should you try and correct this type of behavior or should you just ignore it and grin and bear it? Stephen Tobolowsky, you've probably had a number of opportunities to make this decision in your own life. I mean, (laughs) as an actor, you are probably regularly evaluated by people who uh, think they're better than you in some way or are in a position of power over you. And they are better than me sometimes. Uh, the, the, there's a lot of interesting things in this letter. There are many different levels of snark. And, and I've mentioned this before that friendships are one of the rarest relationships because they're voluntary on both parts. You're not family. Now, in this particular snarky situation, she is family. Is that not correct, David? Correct. Yeah, she has a relative. Yeah, so you you are going to continually see this person. So so there are different levels of snarkness, and you have to deal with them in different ways, considering how important the friendship is. The more investment you have in a friendship, once it crosses a certain line, you have what they call in physics the theory of slope, and it all comes crashing down very quickly, the bigger the investment. A lot of people think things break down at the same speed in which they build up. Let's say you're dealing with slightly snarky comments over a long period of time and you kind of put up and put up with it. Like it suggests in this letter uh, to put up with it seems like acquiescence. Well, what happens is each time you put up with a snarky remark, it, it goes into the snark bank. 
<laughs> and and it starts gaining interest. But at a certain point, that bill comes due. And if that person does not give you the positiveness you need from your relationship, you just foreclose. It It's the theory of slope. Sand in a pile in a playground, it just goes crash. And in one day, you will no longer be friends. In one minute, in one second, you will no longer be friends. So when you're dealing with someone who is a casual relationship that you get something out of, you have a certain level of snarkiness you accept. When you have a family member that you have to see continually, you you give it a wider berth. Uh, for example, I have uh, an aunt who I love very, very much, uh, my Aunt Miriam. And Aunt, <laughs> aunt Miriam will never like anything. You you just have to be aware that whenever you show something to Aunt Miriam, she she will she will say, Well, that this isn't really what I want. And and she loves this aspect of her personality and we all kind of love it because we love Miriam and we we put up with it. But if if I were a uh salesman at Circuit City, does that exist anymore, David? No, Circuit City. It does no. not. Let's okay, try then Best I can't. Buy. Best buy. No, no, let's use something that doesn't exist anymore so they can't sue us. So <laughs> if I were a salesman at Circuit City, I may not want to wait on my Aunt Miriam because she would find everything uh not to her liking. So there is a level of investment. For example, you brought up in my career. I always have to deal with people on the set or in a casting office that occasionally can be snarky, but I have to think, I will have to deal with this person again. So I put money into the snark bank, and I put up with it. But why wouldn't you correct Miriam's actions? I guess I feel like in this instance with Sick of Snark, there seems like there's a possibility that this relative could be – taught or uh, at least you know be made to understood like what uh sensitivities there are with regards to this nah nah no you just think you just think people won't change well no Uh, first of all you know miriam is is older than i am and she is what they call set in her way she loves her way some people are just set in their ways you're saying and 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 they that's just the way they react to the world and you can respect that and you understand and and not necessarily take Anything she says personally, uh, th- that that's one thing you can do in terms of the uh, the snarky comments is you can choose to not take it personally, which takes effort. That takes effort and a lot and a lot of cleverness on your your part, which will become the theory of slope and will someday collapse. Now, sometimes I've been involved with people who don't even realize. The, what they're saying could be construed as a slight or a cut. Now, before on this show, I believe we talked about the Gottmans. Yep. We did. And and uh, John Gottman and the brilliant work he did on relationships. And he talks about the difference between a complaint and a criticism. I think uh, snarkness kind of comes under this category too. Uh, a complaint is something you could bring up to somebody – to correct behavior 
by by saying, you know, when you make those snarky comments, it makes me feel bad. Yes, right? rather, uh, uh, rather than we, you're a bad person for making snarky snarky comments. Yeah, right? it, it's like if I were to say, David, you're always so messy. When I say something like that, it is a criticism, and what it does is it attacks your soul. I am saying you, David, are always messy. So even if you were to clean up, it'll still hurt your feelings because I have attacked you personally. Whereas I said, oh, David, uh, could you pick up uh, your, your shoes? I almost tripped on them and I don't want to break my neck again. Right. And, and then it is a very specific complaint and you could handle it. So I don't, really, I don't really understand where you're going, Tobo, because on, on the one hand you said uh, some people are set in their ways. But now you seem to be saying that – uh, some people can be changed if you give them criticism versus complaints. Yeah, you, you have to make that determination. Right. Like if, if I'm dealing with uh, a, an older aunt or a, an uncle or a grandfather or something that I love and respect, I let it go. I, I cut them a lot of slack. Right. If, if I'm dealing with someone who is my contemporary, who I really get a lot out of the relationship, but they occasionally do something which is – as, as the writer very astutely points out, they say, I'm sure they're doing this either because they're, uh, they feel insecure or they don't want to deal with the challenge to their ideas or uh, they may not be aware of it. Sometimes I just make them aware of it and go like, that hurts my feelings. You know, if you say, did, did you mean to hurt my feelings? Right. So, and, so say, you know, so make that determination, right? Try to decipher which situation you're in and then act accordingly. And, and make it personal to you w without right. being critical of them. You say like, ouch, that, oh, that hurts my feelings when you say that. Right. And, and, Versus and not, you're a bad person and you, yeah. should, you should feel bad. What's wrong with you? Why, <laughs> why are you talking this way? Why right. are you being a snark? Then you become judgmental. But you just talk about how you feel when somebody does that to you. And then at least they are on guard if they want to be on guard. Uh, sometimes I've found uh, snarks enjoy being snarks. And then you have to make another determination if you want to roll with that or just roll on down the road. I, I, I firstly, I think you just coined the noun form of snark, uh, or I guess the person <laughs> form of snark. <laughs> I didn't know that snark was a type of person. Yeah. Um, and secondly, I just want you to know, Stephen, that I think of you as my uh, rigid uncle that's stuck in his own ways. So, you know. And Am I ever snarky with you, David? No, never. What you've just said was so snarky. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, uh, thanks for that email, sick of snark, and hopefully that helps. Uh, and Stephen, you know, we've uh, we were off last week again. Uh, some stuff has been going on. What's? I, I thought we might use this podcast as an opportunity to talk about some of the problems we have been going through. Oh man! And you've been having some big problems lately, haven't you? I have big problems, David. I have super big problems. Last week, uh, I went with Anne with some of her college friends. We we went to Yellowstone. Has anyone been to Yellowstone out there? Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. You're asking I'm, the audience. I'm, wait, I'm, listen, I'm listening. You're listening, I'm listening to the audience. Okay. I hear several people out there saying yes. The thing about Yellowstone that is very surprising is that it's about four different places, and one of the places. 
I, I mean, one place is a beautiful idyllic mountain range and waterfalls. Some places like wild animals walking up to <laughs> to your car. And one of the places there is the beginning of time. They have these pools, these volcanic pools in which bacteria are growing. And you go like, oh, this is what life was like on Earth two billion years ago. And you realize that the genesis of all things, of the beginning of time, of the beginning of life, is going on right now. You just have to go to the right place to do it. So I went to Yellowstone, unfortunately. While I was at Yellowstone, one of these pristine sulfur pits from the beginning of time belched up a bunch of sulfur and it went into my face and burned my eyes and I didn't think anything of it. And then that night in bed, I started getting flashes in my head, flashes of light in my head, which is not a good sign, especially at night. When I came back to L.A. and to civilization, I went to my eye doctor immediately and they gave me every series of tests in the world, and they said that I had two small hemorrhages on my left retina, and the flashes of light, if any of you have this, are a symptom occasionally, occasionally, of a torn retina or a detached retina. So my doctor gave me a very lovely and unusual diagnosis as he says for the next two weeks i want you to do nothing but watch television how perfect he knows his patient he says don't exercise don't run don't do anything we have to see if these hemorrhages heal themselves or if they're getting worse we have to see what's happening and just when i thought things couldn't get any worse david you know what i did last night what'd you do last night i cut off the end of my finger now, listen, if any of you people out there are squeamish, turn off the radio. What makes this worse is I cut off the end of my finger using – do you know what a mandolin is, David? Uh, that's a kind of a guitar-like instrument. Or no, no, no. I'm no. sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, wait. Is that right? In the kitchen. In the kitchen. In the kitchen. Oh, no. Sorry. It's like a knife razor-like thing that you make coleslaw with. And you, and you take a cabbage or a cucumber or a tomato and you go back and forth over this razor-sharp edge. Well, I was doing that with the cucumber and it went faster than I thought. And I cut off the middle the, – the, the end of my middle finger. This is the finger that people use when they give people the finger. So uh, if, if you're not already ill, so it wouldn't stop bleeding. I had to put multiple, multiple pressures and bandages on top, and it was still bleeding out. Uh, so we ended up putting a gigantic white wrap around my middle finger so it looked like I was shooting the finger to everybody all the time. And as I sit here now, uh, it is not bleeding, I could say. So that big problem seems to be solved. I can't use my hand. I can't get it wet. And to make things even grosser, this afternoon, Anne came in and said, oh, Stephen, just for your information, I found the end of your finger. It was, it was not in the salad, which is what we were all afraid of, but it was still in the mandolin. So she said it was like about the size of a contact lens. So everybody, next time you see me doing a Tobolowsky Files on stage, 
be aware there will be a little less of me than at the last show. <laughs> well, Stephen, uh, we're really sorry to hear about that. Glad to hear that you're making a, a speedy recovery. Any, uh, uh, This is not the first time you've had to recover from a self-sustained injury in some way. Yeah, yeah, but this is this is tough because it's my right hand and it's the hand that I shoot everybody the finger with. Right. But, but so what do you so so kind of what are some of your tips for recuperating in that instance? Uh first of all, you have to keep the hand higher than your heart. So it always looks like you're shooting the finger to people uh, going uh, down I'm the street. not talking about for your specific injury, Stephen. I'm oh. just meaning general like psychologically. <laughs> psychologically. What I, what I do is, David, whenever I have a catastrophe like my neck being broken or like the open heart surgery, I try to think, what does this unique physical impairment enable me to do in a positive way? So, for example, obviously I can't play the piano now, but I can play with my left hand. So I thought this is a unique opportunity. There are a few Beethoven sonatas that have a lot of left hand work in it. I said, this is the perfect opportunity and the perfect excuse just to work on those parts of those pieces and get that left hand better. So I'm trying to find ways of taking the negative and make it a positive. What what can I do with my left hand that I can't do with my right? All right. Uh, I think that's very good advice for us all whenever we're uh, recuperating from anything. Anything. Yeah. Use your left hand, folks. Well, thanks for listening, uh, ladies and gentlemen. You can find more of our episodes at bigproblemspodcast.com. Email us at uh, mail at bigproblemspodcast.com. Write us a review in iTunes if you can. Uh, let us know if you enjoy the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. We will see you guys next week. Adios.